I, I, I just remembered, I, I, that it's no nut November. I, I, I guess I'll try again next year. Taco Court Fantasy Football League Podcast, episode 53. I am your host, Nate. You can find me on Twitter at NateRate530 and our podcast in our league at Taco Court Pod. We're halfway through the 2021 NFL fantasy football season. Some would call this the dog days of fall, autumn. It's not summer anymore. Speaking of the dog days, today I am joined by our newest member of the league, who just happens to be living in a manner that will end up leading him to the pearly gates as he is a Dodgers fan. And the manager of who just took over first place in the Milford Academy, Terrence Dunn. Welcome to the league, Terrence. Officially in person, on voice, being able to see each other, not through text or through the podcast. And welcome to the podcast. How you doing, man? Yes, sir. I am super stoked to be here. Um, excited to finally, uh, yeah, connect with uh, with you and all of uh, your Taco Corp empire. I'm very, very excited. Nice. Awesome. So with this being your inaugural appearance on the podcast, we have to hear all about what you are, and we want to start with your ASL and the front cover insert of your autobiography. Oh, man. Okay, so ASL first. Uh, So age 39, sex, who's asking, but also, yes, please, (laughs) location, Los Angeles, California. I mean, not technically, I'm in Glendale, but I just say LA because people who aren't from SoCal don't always know where it is. Uh, front cover insert of my autobiography. I guess I'm just thinking about this because I, I watched a TikTok with this not that long ago. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's just one quote. How was I supposed to live, laugh, love under these conditions? Right? <laughs> no shit. Um, <laughs> no, I think it's uh, no. I, I think it's just about. I don't know, man. I uh, I try to all of be, to be all about uh, having fun, making my own way, just trying to survive. You know. That's pretty cool. It's it's fun. It's fun. I always wonder that, like. You know, I think about it sometimes like me and Tony have talked about on previous podcasts, like what do you want your legacy to be, right? What do you want to be remembered for and things like that? And I think it always kind of goes back down to like, you know, what do I want my book to say about me or something like that? And I always think about like, what's that front cover? You know, like you flip it open, it's got that annoying paper around the book that nobody really likes, but everybody puts it on there because it looks fancy. But on the inside, it says something about the author and who they are. So um, always intrigued by that and think about that as I go throughout. The day, I guess you would say. So, anyways, we're going to end up going through some QA. I got nine questions here and we can expand on them as we go. Going into question number one. So, I went and re listened to your appearance on the 58 West King podcast where you sat down with Matt and you guys spoke about how you lived all over the Golden State. Um, the majority of the podcast was about your adult life, but tell us a little bit about what early life Terrence Dunn was like. Yeah. So, early life Terrence Dunn is a lot different than, uh, I don't know what you call this, midlife Terrence Dunn. Probably I'm 40 next year. So, I guess it's technically midlife. Uh, so, I grew up um, in and around the Inland Empire. I spent most of my time, like most of my, I guess, like formative years in a small town in, uh, for anybody who knows the Southern California area, Beaumont, California. That's that's how I, I know a lot of the, the, the people that I know. I still am friends with a lot of people from there, but it's basically an hour west of Palm Springs. Uh, Very, very small town. Uh, My graduating high school class was like less than 200 people. Yeah. So I think living, living in that area and kind of living in those circumstances, it had kind of interesting impacts on me. On the one hand, kind of, 
I don't know, living in a small town, uh, both like I embraced uh, certain things about it, like the the people that I grew up with. Like I said, I still have some some good relationships with people that I grew up with out there. But at the same time, it, it also kind of pushed me away from small town. Like ever since I've left Beaumont, I've never lived in a town that size since. Yeah. I've been in, you know, Anaheim, San Diego, uh, Los Angeles, uh, the East Bay up in NorCal. Um, so I, I very, it, it turned me into an urbanite, in other words. Yeah, yeah, um, but me in in high school, like pretty much all throughout high school, I was like a hardcore nerd. I'm still a nerd, uh, but I was even more of a hardcore nerd. I was I was a band geek. Um, I did theater when I was younger. Like the first time I was in a play was like in the fourth grade. Um, so I did a lot of that kind of stuff. Always very like the creative, writing stories and making art and doing music. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of that was uh, inwardness. We moved around a lot when I was growing up. Uh, just you know, family stuff and things like that. Um, and so like kind of getting settled was always something I dealt with at a younger age. Um, and it really wasn't until later in high school that I really found my footing and especially college. Uh, most of the people that I still hang out with to this day um, are friends that I made in college. So cool. de definitely was a, I guess, a late bloomer. It's kind of cliche, but yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> what what instrument you play? Uh, so I play a few different instruments. My My native instrument is the drums. I learned the drums originally in like, when did I pick up the drums? Mid nineties. Um, and I still like, I have an electric kit in my apartment that I'll play from time to time. So I've been playing for the better part of, you know, two plus decades. Um, I'm a mediocre guitar player, keyboard player, bass player, and I'm also a mediocre singer. So every other instrument I'm very mediocre at, but drums, I, I'm not terrible at. <laughs> nice. I played drums through like middle school, right? I did band. And then I stopped doing band in high school cause I was into athletics, but I played drums and then like my, my sister played clarinet and stuff like that. So, and I know Matt was telling me he plays brass. So that was pretty mm -hmm. cool. Um, I was we starting to the, we got to start the ska band. When is that? Happen? Yeah, definitely. We gotta, <laughs> we gotta get a band here, make our own intro music and stuff like that. So there we go. Um, that's pretty cool. You said you, you did some child acting stuff or whatever in theater and stuff like that. I was big into drama as well. Like I, my eighth grade class, like they gave out awards and stuff like that before you go into high school. And I ended up getting the drama award. So that was a big thing for us too, was, you know, do being creative, creating skits. We would, you know, creating video at that time was still fairly new. We're still yeah. with the older, over the shoulder VHS, you know, right. camera stuff like that. Our best thing that we made in that school, this is my middle school. We did a project and it was like midget Jedis were taking over the school. So we found <laughs> out how to like, we basically tie our shoes to like our knees essentially right so that we could be on our knees and we had these robes and stuff and we were going around and we were climbing all over buildings and stuff like that like midgets and it was pretty comedic like i it probably took us about three months to create like a seven minute skit you know and it was like all the editing and stuff right. like that in eighth grade was crazy at the time <laughs> so like we're trying to learn how to like and we're we're editing on a vhs yeah. like on a VHS player, right? And the VCR. So oh, shit, it was yeah. like record from yeah. one to the other and put it together because we didn't have like computers really in our school. Like yeah. they just gave us computers. So it was like, how do you look up porn without getting caught on school? Cause there's no filters, you know, yet or any, <laughs> any firewalls, but that's pretty cool. What are some of the things that you, um, you acted in? Like, do you remember any of the like plays or any of the skit stuff that you could did? Yeah. So, um, well, I do remember um, the very first play that I did in um, in elementary school. Um, I was the like narrator character, basically, in a production of Pr uh, Princess and the Magic P. Yeah, um, I'll never forget that because it's on VHS tape, and my parents always love to take the opportunity to remind me of it periodically. <laughs> um, 
I got a chance to revisit it like a couple of years ago because uh, I, I transferred the VHS over to digital and it's definitely like an elementary school play for sure. Yeah. But so I did a, it was a couple of plays in, in elementary school. Um, once I got to junior high, that was when I got into video productions. Like, it's funny you talked about um, like deck to deck editing and, and like tape to tape transfers. Cause that's the same era I come from. I remember the two main video production skills that I learned in junior high were uh, tape to tape editing. Um, and we did, uh, we actually did a live broadcast at our junior high school. Nice. It was, um, like we did like daily announcements as like a news show. And that was the first, that was my first exposure to, to live broadcast, which is something I've dabbled in pretty much ever since. Yeah. And then once, once I got into video, it was more about like acting in, in my videos, acting in each other's videos. Like it's the, it's the forever problem of creative people, like finding, finding people to be in your stuff, yeah. you know? Um, and so that was always what it was. I think the most uh, the most fun thing we ever made, just because like uh, I want to try to find a copy of it because I'm pretty sure it's the weirdest thing that that uh, I made during that time period, is we actually made a music video. Like that was an assignment we got was to make a music video, yeah. and we made the brilliant decision to do "Money" by Pink Floyd uh, from "Dark Side of the Moon," and just imagine seventh graders making <laughs> a video to that trippy fucking i mean just super out there it, it was a very interesting video but we got super creative we made like we, we made like these psychedelic visuals using like oil water and food coloring and like we had we had all kinds of fun with it it was a blast nice man that's that's awesome i like to do the play stuff and like shakespeare stuff and we would try to you know mix different things from shakespeare so we tried to add like romeo and juliet the like king kamehameha pushing all the soldiers off the you know the ledge or whatever like that in Hawaii and taming of the shrew. So it was like this Bermuda triangle of love between all these different characters. And we go around and travel a little bit in like clubs and school and stuff. So I don't know. So you were doing, you were doing mashups before there were mashups. Yeah, it was fucking awesome. Like there was this club called Odyssey of the mind where you basically get, were given like a hundred dollar budget and you'd go compete against all the other middle schools. So we go in like certain areas in your like district and then, you know, your region and all this kind of stuff like that. So some of those places, some of the schools would like, you know, get receipts from thrift stores basically saying, hey, we're going to give you this. We're going to buy it for five bucks. Right. And it'd be like their props. Mm -hmm. But it's like that's a three hundred dollar drum, bro. Like, calm down, you know, like so <laughs> yeah. we were putting together PVC pipe and sheets and painting and stuff. And it was really fun. But. I think that creative aspect is one of the things that kind of led me to do in this podcast too, is like, you know, how do we tell stories about people to get everybody to know each other? Right. And then build out things. And it's, it's just really fun. I really enjoy it. And like, that's, I, I'm into film and stuff like that um, for those reasons as well. So it's a good way to flesh out that, um, I don't know, like nervous anxiety. Like yeah. when I, like, I feel like I need to like make something and uh, yeah, it's a good way to, it's a good way to scratch that itch yeah. for sure. Like the podcast is something that really calms me down and I'm like, no, I'm going to spend the next five hours recording and editing and I'm going to go to bed at two o'clock in the morning. But, you know, it's it's like that peaceful time. We always go over everybody's early sports fandom, how they got into sports. So where did it end up starting for you? Uh, you have your teams across the league. If that's changed at all. I know you talked a little bit about that on the D8 West Kings podcast and 
Uh, did you end up playing sports growing up or do you still do now? Uh, well, the last one's easy. I've actually never, I've never really seriously played sports, maybe like a handful of like co-ed softball, like beer leagues over yeah. the years, but that's literally it. I never played sports in school. I kind of missed the boat on that one. Early sports for me, my house was a baseball house. So we, nice. and I, and, and interestingly enough with where I landed, uh, an angels house. So I grew up being an angels fan. Everybody in my, they're all from Orange County. So everybody in my family was angels fans. And that was really it for me for most of like my teenage years was just baseball, baseball, baseball. I didn't really get into football until like later high school and then really into college. And that's about the same time I also uh, kind of transitioned over from the Angels to the Dodgers. No shade to the Angels, uh, but definitely like made my conversion over to Dodgers. I um, mean, it has a lot to do with um, uh, kind of the the friends that I cultivated at that time, like my, my kind of college, uh, the, the people that I was like, you know, going to school with in college and the people that I was friends with who I'm still friends with today, they're like my closest friends on earth. But you know, yeah. when you're in your, your early twenties, you're hanging out, having fun with your friends. And part of that is watching football on Sundays and going to Dodger games, like the, um, uh, the emotional connection, I think kind of heightens that. Right. Yeah. And so that definitely was what converted me full tilt into, uh, into a Dodgers fan. Um, and also what got me into to NFL. So, uh, teams, I think I covered baseball. It's Dodgers. I'll, I'll give love to the angels. Like they're not even in the same league. It doesn't matter. Um, I'm all about, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. all about the local teams just in general. So like for NFL, it's like Rams and then chargers, um, uh, mm -hmm. Rams and then chargers, uh, yeah, 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 they're yeah, a yeah. little, there are a few yeah. tiers below, um, <laughs> hockey, uh, which is probably my third sport, uh, the ducks. Interestingly, I'm not a Kings fan. And that has a lot to do with just when I got into hockey, I lived in Anaheim again, the local team. Yeah. Um, and then I actually don't do NBA. If I had to pick it'd be Lakers. Cause I mean, the Clippers really, uh, but, uh, <laughs> But but I'm just I'm not big on basketball. It's not my not that and MLS. Neither one of those am I like super familiar with. So I'm looking for a hockey team. So I just I re I got into hockey a couple of years back, uh, mostly because I was doing daily fantasy sports, and it was a lot like baseball when it comes to like constructing lineups and stuff like that, right? And getting different to be able to win tournaments and stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm looking for a hockey team, and I was talking to the guys at work with the guy, our main boss. Um, he is a Detroit Red Wings fan. So oh, okay. opening yeah. day of hockey came out and the Red Wings were playing in Tampa and they went up like four to one. And then <laughs> they ended up blowing that entire lead. I think they were up three goals in the third period, blew that lead and let up a goal in like a minute and a half in overtime to lose to Tampa. It's on ESPN plus all the time. ESPN has the rights to it now. So like right. I, I come home and I don't have cable. So I'd throw an ESPN, you know, see what's, see what's on or whatever. And it's always hockey. So you know, I mean, the girls were like, well, let's put something on so we have some background noise and it's hockey. So I'm like getting into nice. it. Went to my first hockey game a couple years back, came out here and like all 10 of us ended up going to a, a hockey game. It really was me trying to figure out, hey, I'm coming in on Martin Luther King Jr. birthday or whatever like that. Right. right in January. Right. And the the Ducks were in town uh, playing the Avalanche. Play so I was, like, yep. I was like, hey, are these seats bad for trying to watch a hockey game? Because I was looking at like the top two decks of the Pepsi center. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, my buddy's like, why? And I was like, I'm thinking about going to a hockey game. I get in at like noon or something like that. And the game starts at four or something or four o'clock. So I, you know, I can get my rental car and go over there. And um, it turned into, let's all go to a hockey game. And I was like, well, I'm just looking at, you know, whatever, like these, these tickets are like 20 bucks. Right. And then my buddy's like, I'll look for tickets, gets us tickets. And they were awesome. Right. And we were probably like 15 rows up from center ice. Yeah. <laughs> And it turned into like, hey, I'm just looking to go see a hockey game, my first hockey game for like 20 bucks. 
and I don't care where I sit to spending 95 bucks a ticket and going there and getting hammered. Tony having to drive my <laughs> rental car back from Denver all the way to Colorado Springs to my hotel because I just I couldn't. I came from sea level. I was stationed in Santa Barbara area. Yeah. Came yeah. up here and just started pounding tall cans and pitchers right off the plane. It was terrible. Like so, but I'm looking for a hockey team. So um, the Ducks I mean, always the, me because it's like they're not really that good. But yeah, I think that they when they changed their uniforms from you know the Mighty Ducks movie uniforms to what they have now. I'm like, man, like the color scheme was pretty cool. You know, and that's mm -hmm. kind of fun. So um, don't know if I want to be a Colorado Avalanche fan because it's just. It, they're good so i don't like you know whatever but i don't know what i i don't know yeah. what i'm gonna end up doing but I, I was gonna say the abs unless something's changed the abs are good the kings will probably be good again before the ducks are good again um yeah. but when the ducks are good they are a lot of fun um yeah. and yeah i mean even even when they're not good just going to hockey games in general is fun like i remember i what what turned me on to hockey was just going to a game what made me yeah. a fan was the first time i got tickets at ice level and i was like eight rows up from the glass and you like yeah. feel that impact of dudes getting slammed against the fiberglass yeah. and it's like fuck yes like this is <laughs> awesome sign yeah. me up for this and i was hooked after that dude and hockey's perfect like you go they play for 20 minutes right and yep. then you got 18 minutes to yeah. go take a leak grab some more food grab a couple yeah. beers hang out see some of the arena and then go back watch 20 minutes and then do it again and it's awesome man that yeah. there's just so much stuff going on it it's never it's never dull so nah, all it's, right it's, it's always a good time <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> moving on to number three you're a big music guy so where did your music fandom come from and what are your genres and do you have any favorite venues to watch music because i know you've gone to like hundreds of concerts you spoke about with Hot. matt so uh <laughs> You know, speak a little bit on that, where it started from, what are your genres, if, you know, maybe some artists that you, yeah. that you like, and where do you like to watch them? So, uh, so music, uh, so I, I mentioned that I grew up in a baseball house. It was basically baseball and music. So the first music I grew up on was actually uh, my mom's. My mom was really big into, like, she had a, a, a you know, pretty solid vinyl collection. Um, so there was a lot of, like, 60s, 70s, 80s growing up in my house. So I grew up around, like, the Beatles. I grew up around uh, the Eagles. I grew up around the Stones. Uh, who else does she listen to a lot? Like, Wham. Um, I'm trying to think of also big in the 80s. Queen. Um, so a lot of that kind of stuff um, was a lot of what I grew up on. Um, and then it was really in, I think the first time that I actually started bridging out onto my own for like music was in junior high. Um, that was actually when I went to my first concert, which I, I still remember my first concert that I ever went to was Hootie and the Blowfish uh, on, on the cracked rear view tour. So I, I very much at a, what was it at that time? I think it was the blockbuster pavilion, Glenn Helen up in San Bernardino. Yeah. Um, so that was the first concert I ever went to. But then as, as junior high continued, I kind of continued that expand, like blame K rock basically. So like that was when I started getting into like Nirvana. And that was when I found out about like Weezer and I found out about green day. Uh, and so that was when I first started getting into like alternative stuff. And then when it went nuts was um, just all of the like punk music that came out of SoCal, right? I mean, just imagine I'm growing up a kid in the late 90s as No Doubt's blowing up, as Blink-182 oh, is was... blowing up, as The Offspring is blowing up, like a Real Big Fish. You know, all of these, these bands that are now like massive alternative rock bands um, that all came out of this like punk and ska scene that was in Southern Cal, like the skate punk scene, basically. Yep. Um, and so just watching that around you is what exposed me to 
you know, places like it's not around anymore, but like the Showcase Theater uh, and like Chain Reaction, uh, the Glass House, even if, if I'm, you know, places Hollywood, like the Troubadour, the Palladium, like all those different kind of clubs, the Roxy, right? And that's what really got me into the underground scene. And then from there, I just kind of continued down that path. Um, being a part of that culture, you go into, you know, you, you see more and more of those kind of like smaller, smaller local shows. You, you catch more of those like, you know, bands that are on the rise. And that dovetailed well into like going to Warp Tour every year and learning about new bands and like, again, going straight from 90s skate punk directly into early 2000s, like emo screamo era. That was like, I mean, my, literally my my demographics put me right into that sweet spot to get into all of that music um, yeah. just because just from from the nature of when I was born and kind of getting into getting into music. And so that that had a huge impact on me. And that was actually part of what got me to start playing music was seeing all these smaller bands make their way up in SoCal and then I'm playing music. And so I'm playing at these venues. I'm getting exposed to all these different genres. And this is going to like really, really date me. But I remember uh, like just to give you an idea of that kind of like catching bands on the come up. I mean, I remember the first concert I ever went to at the Glass House, which is in Pomona, a decent sized club venue for folks who've never been down here. But um, it was Goldfinger was the headliner. Mm -hmm. um, but the opening band, the, the opening opening band was the Ataris. Nice. Um, and they had just put out blue skies, yeah. um, like that had just barely come out. I know the other, the other story that I remember telling, uh, I remember telling Nat a while back just to again, date myself was seeing face to face at the glass house. Mm -hmm. Um, and their opening bands, uh, the, the full opening roster was some 41 was the opener opener. Yeah. Um, alkaline trio, uh, newfound glory Jesus. and then saves the day. Holy crap. And like the idea that that would be a concert, like is not, I mean, if you tried to do that today, it would be like $8 billion to go yeah. see one. Some of those bands aren't even around anymore. But, but yeah, like it's so, it, so getting the chance to kind of get in on the ground floor with some of that just made it so, I don't know, so much more fun. Mm -hmm. um, so I just always enjoyed that. But then playing music got me into so many different genres. Like obviously punk and emo is still very much my sweet spot. I mean, you know, you, you've, you, you know, you saw on my social, I went to like Riot Fest, yep. uh, you know, go, going to see a lot of those, those type of bands is still um, a lot of fun for me. It's still my, my native spot, but like I'll do hip hop. I've played in uh, country bands. I've played in like classic rock bands. Um, so I kind of listen to everything. Shit, I'm going to a Slipknot concert tomorrow. Like, I mean, literally nice. everything nice. Um, I, I, I'm pretty much game for as long as it's uh I don't know, as long as it's good, if it's got a if it's got a good beat and a good rhythm and and you know it's kind of kind of catchy, I like there to be at least a little bit of a melody to it. But other than that, sign me up. I just you, love music. You into like hip hop and pop music too? Does like that fall in there? Probably a little more casually. Mm -hmm. uh, hip hip hop less casually. Like I definitely am a big fan of uh, a, a number of different hip hop artists. I'm trying to think what the last like. Well, I know the last hip hop artist I saw live because it was Run the Jewels at Riot Fest. Yeah, they were fucking awesome live. They're very, very awesome to see live. But yeah, like I think most of I, I don't get into as much new hip hop. It tends to be a lot more of like, you know, indie stuff like Run the Jewels if it's new or new albums from older artists. And that's really yeah. kind of true for me in all genres. Like I'm more likely to go pick up a new newfound glory album than i am to go pick up a new album from some artist that k-rock's hawking yeah but yeah so that's kind of where i land on all that so yeah if, if dr dre is going to drop a new record i'm probably there i'm 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 like past ready for a new kendrick lamar record oh hell yeah um uh, yeah. like like I, I was ready for that like five years or, <laughs> when did damn when did damn come out like yeah five years ago. yeah yeah um uh, shit i can't believe it's been that long but yeah i like that that signed me up for all that pop music i'm a little more um i'm way more casual so like 
you know, if it's like a TikTok trend or if it like comes on the radio, I'll be like, that's cool. Yeah. But outside of that, I think probably the closest I'll come to it of my own accord is like, I mean, I guess if you count it as pop, like Billie Eilish yeah. is, is really awesome. Like that new record is legit. Mm-hmm. Olivia Rodrigo's record is legit. The uh, folklore. So like Taylor Swift, that record's legit. Yep. Um, but I think that's, that's a borderline emo record anyway. Yeah. Adele is pretty legit. Beyonce. I mean, there's some good shit out there. It's just not stuff I'll like, that's not my go-to. I'm not like, you know, I'm getting to the gym and I'm fired up and let me go do some stuff and let me throw on Adele. Yeah, like, that's yeah, just yeah. not my, that, that's not my mode. You a believer? You know what? I, I couldn't care less about Justin Bieber. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> we were, we were doing so well here. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't really. And, and, and to clarify, I just don't have any opinion one way or the other. Like there's some songs that come on and I'm like, Oh, okay. Like I, I recognize that song. Yeah. He's, he's another one kind of like, um, like Harry Styles, where I can kind of take or leave. Like there's some good songs. I know them, but I'm not like actively seeking them out. Like three of my favorite artists right now are like Justin Bieber. I like all the stuff he's putting out. I I dig because I'm in the rom-com business, right? When it comes to like okay. the type of movies yep. I like, that's my genre. So like emotions and stuff like that. There's like tons of stuff in there that he has that are pretty dope. And they got, they got smooth beats too. So mm-hmm. that Harry Styles fucks. Like that dude is funny yeah. as fuck too. Like um, yeah. doing like the late late show or whatever like that a lot, and they're doing mm-hmm. um, carpool karaoke. Like he's he's funny mm-hmm. as hell. And then Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran is a freaking rock star. Like that dude is amazing. Ed Sheeran's great. He does everything with just his guitar and foot pedals. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. I want to go see a concert. One of my buddies got me onto it. Like because I like listening to his music and we watch his concerts. He's like, Yo, do you recognize like there's nothing else there? It's just him, his guitar, and a bunch of foot pedal repeaters, right? So and yeah. I started paying attention. It's like, Yeah, this dude does his whole concert and we'll have like eight tracks going that he starts up and then he'll start singing. It's, it's amazing. Like he's so talented. So yeah, I know no, no shade to any of them. I think they're all great. They're just not ones that I, I gravitate to pick up. I think that when I, I don't know, like, and it's weird. I'll just get on like a kick on some stuff sometimes. Like lately I've been obsessed with that Billie Eilish record as far as pop stuff goes. And I think it's because it's like technically interesting to yeah. me. Uh, like from, like in other words, like from a technical standpoint, like it just, the sounds are interesting and like, I'm fascinated with what she's doing with her voice. Um, And I think like the beats and the programming are really compelling. Um, And I think it's like enough off the beaten path for me that, that I embrace it. Kind of same thing with Olivia. Like if I put all three of those next to each other, right. The new Billie Eilish record, I'm blanking on the name, the Olivia Rodrigo record and folklore, all three of those are emo records and I'll, I'll fight that battle to the death. Like for real. Yep. And, and that and that works for me like that's like enough off of the like it's not like saccharine two and a half minute like super sweet pop songs mm-hmm. which again have their place for me but they're just not my like they're not my default yeah I, I'm, I'm rarely in a mood to be like give me that yep i feel you but they're still great still great all right last question on the music front for right now i had this conversation with somebody the other day rage against machine are they a rock band or are they hip-hop Oh, oh my God. Oh, I got to go rock. Yeah. Yeah. I got to go rock only because like, and and they, uh, uh, Zach Delaroca is an incredible MC. I would argue that Rage Against the Machine is probably on like the Mount Rushmore of rock. Yeah. For sure. Like, I I think that they are one of the, they're for sure one of the top four or five rock bands of all time. And it's because, and honestly, most of that credits to Tom Morello. Yeah. And it's because even when, even when he's rapping, He's still rocking hard as a motherfucker. Yeah. Like, I think that's why I land there. So uh, a lot of times before I get on the podcast, I I have like a playlist of music videos I watch. Like there's Fabulous Breathe, a fuck ton of Rage Against the Machine, 
some diplomats and you know cameron and stuff like that i mean i'll sit here for like an hour and just watch music videos while i'm kind yeah. of thinking about okay i'm going to say this and this and this and this right or getting myself in the mood and i was listening to it the other day and i was like you know like i wish i would have seen these guys in concert because a lot of their music videos are actually filmed at their concerts and then they just they don't have the actual sound from the concert right because it's it's not gonna be the same i was like you know i wonder if these guys like still go on tour there's all these other bands i see now that are going on tour right and like some of them come here to colorado and here in the spring specifically at this cl little club called black sheep and i was looking it up so i was like i go google you know rage against machine tour and it's like oh they're on tour in 2022 and i'm like mm -hmm. holy shit like are they coming to denver right because like you know like <laughs> i'm not gonna take my kids to it but i can get tony's wife and be like hey you know, <laughs> the kids stay the night. I want to go watch Rage Against the Machine on a fucking Wednesday. <laughs> yep. But I was looking at it, and they're actually in Boston, Massachusetts, at Harvard, or yeah, at the Harvard like arena oh. or whatever like that. And it's like right. the weekend that I take my kids for summer break to Virginia to go be with their mom. So I was like, yo, I can fly them out on a Friday red eye, get there to DC in the morning, then fly up to Boston, go to a concert, get my ass back by Sunday, and go to work on Monday. And I was like, that would be awesome. So. There you go. I don't know if they're all touring together or if you know there's new lead singer or whatever. Because no, it's 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 them reunited. Them and um, so they reunited and My Chemical Romance. Those were the two big reunions that were supposed to happen last year. They got pushed to to next year because of uh, because of COVID yeah. shit. But yeah, I'm I'm probably gonna go see both of those. Actually, I want to go see. I got to figure out where Rage is playing in LA because yeah. I'm sure. Rage in LA will be oh, dude, fucking um, nuts, out of control. Dude. Out of control. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? We know what sucks is they're probably playing Coachella, which fuck. Oh, that would there. suck. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Are you a fan of like big venues or like little clubs and stuff like that? Um, I think they each have their place. Like going to little clubs is always kind of fun. I, I think part of what is tough for me on little clubs is like again, I'm about to be 40. And so going to a place that fits you know, I went to a, I went and saw um, a friend of a friend's band at Chain Reaction, you know, 200 ish capacity club yeah. in in Anaheim. And, and it's very, very small. There's no barricade. There's no backstage area like they literally load the equipment straight in from the outside. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't been there. I mean, well before the pandemic, I think maybe like 2015, 2016 was the last time I was there. And I definitely felt it being there. It's very cramped. It gets real kind of like sweat boxy. Yeah. And I just can't quite get into that space as much as I used to. I feel like nowadays, most of the most of what I go to see are like anywhere from mid venues to like large venues or festivals. Yeah. Um, and that just has a lot to do with the bands that I want to go see now that they're not really playing venues that small anymore. So, but it is kind of cool when you can go see them as a treat. Like, um, what was one that I saw not that long ago? Shit, who played a chain reaction? I think it was Newfound Glory actually that played a chain reaction. Nice. And it's it, it is cool like as a novelty, but um, and it's it's cool to be in that like intimate environment, but mm. also it's not comfortable. <laughs> yeah. So I went I went here to this place called Black Sheep, right? And it's one of those like. 200 max capacity type places right it's super super small like even the street that like you can't park on the street because it's just no way it's like downtown area kind of like on the edge of downtown but i went to this thing it was called like emo night tour or something like that right yeah but yeah, it yeah. wasn't yep. they didn't have actual bands it was the dj playing DJ, yep. all the fucking bangers right like you yep. go to emo forever playlist on spotify and it is that and but it's like everything from the news taking back sunday my cam right uh saves the day and all this kind of stuff it was fucking awesome and i was like i've never had fun like this with this kind of music 
and a DJ, but everybody in there was super awesome, right? And it was it was just weird because like there's 200 people just screaming their their lungs out because it's like everybody just wants to get this out and hey, we're with like people who have feelings and shit. <laughs> and <laughs> but it was so fucking hot, and I was like, man, I wish I was in the amphitheater right now or something like that. Like, let me go to Shoreline and do this. Like, like you could sell out Shoreline doing this right now. Like, it's oh, for sure. fun, right? But. Um, that was a good time. So when when they do emo night here, thankfully they do it at the observatory, which is oh, nice. uh, maybe like twelve hundred people or so. It's a lot bigger and a lot um, a lot more ventilated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this place was like walking into a McDonald's and shoving everybody in there, man. It was like it was nuts. Hell no. But Hell um, no. but it was a cool spot. Um, they got a lot of cool people out here that come, like a lot of hip hop artists that are kind of underground still. Guys from like Atlanta and stuff like that nice. come out here. So that's pretty dope. So. I look forward to going to that place a lot more, but earlier you spoke a little bit about your social, you know, when you're at riot fest and stuff like that. And I think it's amazing. And I said, I think it was to Tony earlier that, you know, I kind of lived through your social because you seem to be all over the place. Do you ever get exhausted because I'm up till like one o'clock in the morning, almost two o'clock in the morning, every, every night. Cause I'm, I'm going to school full time as well. And then doing this stuff and kids and everything like that. And I don't like to do my personal things until the kids are like, well going to sleep or something like that so i won't do homework mm. while my daughter's doing homework mm. i'm like hanging out talking through it or whatever and i like to play and stuff but so it's like a self-sabotage because i waste like three hours i don't want to say waste but i use three hours hanging out with them rather than getting my homework done yeah and you always seem to be posting after me and then when i wake up you're online so i'm like yo does this dude <laughs> sleep and then two if we were all to go to la what are the spots that we need to see and why but the ones that aren't on like TripAdvisor, like the Hollywood sign or Chavez Ravine yeah. or Chavez Ravine or Chavez Ravine, because that's really the only place I want to <laughs> go to in L.A. But yeah, where, yeah. where are the places that we should go see that are kind of like off the beaten path that are really dope? I see you at a lot of theaters and stuff like that, and it just looks awesome. So what, what would you what would you say? Yeah, and those are probably my big ones are the theater. So first of all, on the exhaustion, I totally get exhausted. <laughs> um, I'm not. So it's it's twofold. Uh, I'm not, I'm not particularly kind to my body in that regard. Cause I'll just like, if it comes between like losing a little sleep and having fun, having fun will always win Hell for yeah. me. Like my, my philosophy is I only get so many spins on this rock. Right. So I want to make sure that like, I'm able to do the things that I want to do uh, and, and enjoy life. I think the other part of it, that's kind of a cheat code is I don't have kids and I'm not married. And at least right now I don't even have a significant other. Mm -hmm. Thanks COVID. So, uh, <laughs> So like it's, so I have like that extra bandwidth, I guess, to do that. Um, but I still get tired and I just, you know, I'll, I'll just, you know, pace myself when I can, I guess like sleep when you're dead. Right. Oh yeah. So I, I try to pace myself when I can, but uh, as far as LA stuff goes, like you mentioned the movie houses, that's been my big thing lately. I think probably the two biggest ones that I've been high on lately are um, the new Beverly. So if you're into like B movies or like anything genre, so like horror, sci-fi, anything that's kind of in that, even like uh, older action movies, it's a movie theater in Hollywood that was a rich. So it was originally a grindhouse theater in the seventies, a porn theater in the eighties. Now it's back to being a grindhouse theater and it's owned by Quentin Tarantino. And he actually helps program the film from his personal helps program the theater from his personal collection. So they show they show stuff like on 35 millimeter and it's all like super cool. The other one that I just barely started getting into is this uh, secret movie club, which they have their own theater, but then they also take over all of these old, like LA is full of all these like broken down, no longer open movie houses from like the vaudeville era. So like you, you can find them all through downtown LA, these old theaters with like these elaborate signs and they're very ornate inside. And they've started going to those places and doing shows. Like I went to, 
uh, the day before Halloween, I went there and saw um, the original Halloween and Evil Dead at this very old, you know, theaters from the uh, from the 1920s. So mm-hmm. definitely high on all those. I guess the other big thing in LA is like obviously like food and drinks. So there's no shortage of like fun bars. Um, I'm still waiting for them to reopen, but I think Button Mash is my favorite. Um, it's a Korean fusion restaurant that's also an arcade bar, um, nice. and it's right down the and it's right down the street from Dodger Stadium. So like it just checks every box for Hell me. Yeah. So I'm waiting for that place to open back up. There's a lot of hipster places too, like Barcade, Highland Park Bowl, and then like uh, just in general, like there's never any shortage of like good places to eat. So like Dodgers Throwback, like I always. I always bring people to uh, to Philippe's if they've never been there. Yep. You know, get the uh, get the French dip sandwiches uh, before the game. I'd be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to King Taco because I feel like that's an important one. It's not like a nice restaurant, but it's a delicious restaurant. Yeah. And then like burger place. I mean, there's tons of spots like that. And then I guess the last category would be like weird shit. I love going to see like weird random shit like museums or like taking tours. So like one of the ones I've gone to a lot is the Mystic Museum in Burbank. It is a combination like museum of the occult so they have like witchcraft satanism yeah. shit in there but then they also have a lot of like horror affiliated stuff like they just opened an exhibit on evil dead uh that i want to go check out the other thing i was doing for a while that i haven't done since i moved back is studio tours and not like universal because that's totally on TripAdvisor. yeah but every every decently major sized studio in la offers studio tours so you can even go check out the Paramount lot or go check out like Sony and Culver city and like see an actual working movie studio, not like just take a ride in a, in a cart on the back lot. Yeah. Um, even though, even the Warner brothers one is super fun and just being a movie nerd and like going to see those places. Like um, I remember going to Warner brothers and it's like, Oh, that's where they filmed gremlins. That's where they filmed Spider-Man. Um, that's where this scene from Pee-wee's big adventure was filmed. And I'm sitting there like, fuck yeah. Let me <laughs> yeah. <see all> that <laughs> stuff. yeah. So no, that's, I, I think that's probably it. Movie shit. Food and drinks is probably the big stuff. And then Chavez Ravine all day. Yeah. Hell yeah. (laughs) Hell yeah. I'm looking forward to getting out there next summer. So I'm supposed to be in Vegas for a month, basically for the whole month of July. Okay. So I'm looking at like, like, yeah, I can go take a, you know, four hour hauling ass drive down to Los Angeles and stuff like that, you know, for the weekend or something like that and go, go catch a ball game or even fly out. Cause you know, whatever, I'm just take a flight and catch a cab or something like that. So keep, keep, I'll say, keep an eye on, uh, keep an eye on that Southwest. They do like $40 tickets all the time. Oh yeah. Vegas to LA. Oh yeah. Oh, that'd be so fucking sick. So, all right. So I opened up with this. We're at the halfway point of the fantasy football season. With that being your first year in this world-renowned Taco Court Fantasy Football League, what are the things that you dig about the league so far? And what are some things that you've noticed that you feel need to be addressed? No feelings hurt. We're open both here. So things that I love about the league so far, I, I'm, I'm really digging like the different personalities that are in this group. Like it seems like a fun group just in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt pretty comfortable right away, like engaging on social and like chatting with people or like shit talking in the, you know, the smack, uh, smack talk function in the ESPN app, like just kind of in general, kind of just like the, the um, I don't know, the people in the league seem, seem really fun and engaging. Mm-hmm. I also like that it's not like a bullshit league. Like it's, it's people are competitive. It uh, like nothing, nothing comes easy and so I, I appreciate that it's like you know i gotta put my thinking cap on each week to like to, to play in this league which i appreciate yep. um i have no criticisms so far nice. enjoying it I, th- thus far i have i have no negatives for you sir, but i will make sure to uh i'll be in your inbox when i do hey, as long as you don't <laughs> agree with tony on the sacco rules and how we determine that shit <laughs> and i don't think you care about it right now because you're like in first place so it's like yeah you're out you're out of that contention man like i <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I don't have. Uh, I, I did find that debate really funny. Mm -hmm. I don't have any particularly strong opinions about it at this point. Like I'm. Uh, I learned a long time ago. Like anytime I'm in it. Like I just recently changed jobs. Still with the same company, but I, I changed jobs. And like one of the one of the things that I learned in changing jobs all the time. And anytime I'm in any new experience, is listen first, talk second. Yeah. And right now I'm in listen mode. I'm, I'm taking it all in. I'm seeing what this is all about, and I'm exploring. So like, no, I don't. I don't have any opinions. Like I, I may eventually one day have an opinion, but for now, no. Yeah. Uh, let's check it out. Yeah. I'm just hoping he gets it for a third time, and then maybe he'll just quit. So then, uh, <laughs> then all we got to do is talk to each other over podcasts, <laughs> like my podcast. I say something, he answers on his podcast, and stuff like that. It's kind of weird because we live like literally not even a mile away from each other. So I just walk to his house, but yeah, it, it's funny as hell. I'm, I'm interested to see how that. I'm interested to see how that tournament format. I've never seen anything like that in terms of like a tournament style. So I'm I'm interested to see how it plays out in real time. I mean, it's not too bad. Like I thought about moving it to like roto and just do total points right like because you could have a shit week and then some guy beats you but you got a loss and then you have a good week and that guy just happens to be the highest score you know wins and losses in fantasy are kind of like meh but the head-to-head -head aspect is what people like about fantasy right if i had it my way we'd be a total points road rotisserie league and that's why nobody likes to play fantasy baseball with me because I'm like, yo, let's play Roto. You got to play for six straight months, right? Like I'm trying to get batting average up 20 points in the next three months and I'm going to grind it out. I don't know. It's fun, but I've just never had it. So I don't care what anybody thinks. <laughs> I just like seeing their punishments, but. Uh. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that part. I'm hoping that, uh, I'm hoping that that Sacco punishments next year will coincide with uh, with with a potential trip to Colorado, so I, oh, can, yeah, I can enjoy the fun in person this time instead of on Facebook Live. Yeah, yeah, it'd be fun. Like we've talked about it before, about we talked about it. I think it was last year's draft during the COVID draft. We were all sitting in Zoom, and I was like, "Yo, what if we did destinations? Like, like just get together?" Because there was a guy I was working with, him and his buddies from like college. Every year they go to one NFL game. So their goal is to hit every NFL stadium, right? So they just pick one. And sometimes they go to two because it's like, yo, there's a Thursday night game. And then there's a, a Sunday morning game so they can get back Sunday night to work or whatever like that. And he's like, yep. we just pile up in like two hotel rooms. Like we'll have like 10 of us. We'll get two hotel rooms adjacent so we can open up the door, crash on the floor. Like we're only sleeping three, four hours anyways, because we're going out yeah. in the city, right? Wherever you're at, like I'm going to New York, you know, to a Jets game or something, right? Yeah. And you're going to go to a Jets game, but we're going to get there on Friday night, basically go out Friday night, do the whole thing, see stuff at night and then wake up at like 738 in the morning, go to a tour, do this, 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 eat. You know, and then just like get the get the cheapest flight you can get a cheap hotel that's relatively decent. Right. Someone's got points everywhere because someone's yep. work travels. So you do that and then you just kind of sardine can it for a little bit and then um, do a 48 hour bender essentially and then get yourself back to go to work on Monday. So I think that would be pretty dope just to get everybody together because oh, yeah. we haven't had everybody together all in one place. So and some of the people have never even seen each other like actually well, face, face other than in Zoom. So. Well, and that, and that's super cool. And I mean, especially nowadays, it, it could even be like an Airbnb instead of a hotel yeah. and you can really kind of get into the space. Yeah. 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 I know we're looking at Fun. that for uh opening weekend here in Colorado. So it's kind of note like the, the Rockies go to Los Angeles for opening day and then they go play like the giants or something. And they come back to Colorado and they open up at home against a, a three game weekend yep. series against the Dodgers. Hell yeah. Like we're all good. If, it, 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 it fucked me up when I was looking at the schedule because I got the dates mixed up at first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was looking at it too. I was like, yo, they open up and it's, it's you know, the first weekend in April, essentially, like April Fool's weekend. And I was like, yep, April Fool's. So <laughs> wrong color. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it would be cool. Like I've even looked at like they're at 
the Rockies, you know, at Coors Field, they have like these suites essentially, right? And it ends up being like, I think it's like 95 to 110 a person or something like that, basically, if you fit like 18 or 20 something people, right? But it's like fully catered and everything like that. And I was like, yo, nice. like, you know, maybe we could figure out a way to, you know, raise some funds or something like that on yep. get into my, um, my Sheba, you know, we'll look into some of that kind of stuff eventually. So uh, hopefully this coming up season, we'll, we'll come up with something where we, we end up going, but Denver is probably like the first spot. You know, maybe go catch a, a baseball game or something like that, you know, and see parts of Denver because most of the people are here. So it's kind of like the, hey, let's knock this one out, you know, type of thing before we get everybody to travel. And yeah. then after yeah. that, go to different cities. I know we want to go out to L.A. and go see SoFi because, you know, half this half this league now is Rams fans, apparently. So the only original Rams fan was Brandon. <laughs> Tony took it and now he's all about Matt Stafford. So he can suck one. But. All right, so of the people in the public eye, this is question number six. Question number six, of the people in the public eye, like thinking celebrity or anything like that, who do you feel has had the greatest influence on your life as we get into more of an intimate side of the podcast? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's uh, that's kind of a tough one because I'm not really – so first of all, I'm not big on like celebrity culture. Like a lot of the – like when I think about a lot of the people – and a lot of the the like figures I grew up really respecting. It's a lot of like working class yep. type of folks. Like, um, you know, a lot of that comes from like, again, that kind of like punk institution and that kind of like upbringing of like just uh, appreciating, you know, like, hey, the cast is great, but like without the crew, shit doesn't get done. You know yeah. what I mean? So I thought about this one. I landed, I ended up landing on Steven Spielberg, interestingly, who's not like a super public person, mm -hmm. uh, was probably one of my favorite storytellers growing up. But I appreciated that. And, and like, I guess, I guess a little, a little nerdy uh, on the film side, but I, I appreciated the way that obviously like today, he's a huge filmmaker, but he like made that shit happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you go back and you read and, and uh, you know, how much of this is fact or fiction, but, you know, you read about how he got his start and it was, you know, he snuck off of a Universal Studios tram and snuck into somebody's office on the Universal backlot and just pretended he was working there until he started getting scripts. Like, that's the story. Yeah. Right. But even beyond just like that story of kind of like this self-made career and like he started with like ideas that never should have worked like dual uh and like jaws right like all of you know you go look at all the stuff he did in the 70s but like he continued to like challenge preconceived notions right he did you know movies like jurassic park and then follows it up with stuff like schindler's list yeah, like yeah, yeah. he's just been all about kind of like making his own way and kind of doing stuff on his terms and i guess I appreciate that. And I appreciate like his, I don't know, his, his ability to tell great stories. I, I hope to do the same in some capacity. Yeah. So. That's pretty cool for me. It wasn't really until like this last summer. So I went through a bunch of shit, right? I went through a divorce and stuff and it was, it fucked me up for last summer. Bad. I mean, months of just like not turning a light on in my house unless the kids were there type of thing. For me, it was Gary Vaynerchuk or Gary V. A lot of people know him by or whatever. And it, it wasn't just like, like he's very outspoken. He's very like upfront. Right. But he did, went into this thing where he basically did Facebook live every day for like two hours. And he called it like tea with Gary V. And he basically just had random people joining and asking questions right and a lot of it, it turned into like self-awareness gratitude and it was like more in the emotional and the eq spectrum as opposed to like business and stuff even they were asking him business questions and it was yeah. all about like what is it doing with inside your brain inside your head you know and stuff like that like that's and he focused so heavy on that stuff and it really helped drag me out of like the dark like bad bad darkness and but yeah that dude helped that's me awesome. out a lot i like a lot of his content he's very loud but 
you know, what he's saying behind it is really a lot about self-awareness and that shit is, has helped me out a lot in person. So anyways, number seven, what is something that you struggle with? Uh, so this was another one I had. Well, actually, this is a good, this is kind of a good connection to what you were just talking about. And I think I'm, I'm thinking about this even more this week with some of the like really awful discourse around Calvin Ridley. There's been some really awful discourse out there about it, but like just in general, um, uh, mental health, I, I think especially, and I think it's not even necessarily just my, myself and, and like kind of depressive episodes and things like that, that you, you, you kind of manage through. But I think that, uh, especially as we're coming kind of out of the, you know, the, the, the COVID stuff and the pandemic and like, I, I, at least for me, and I'm sure a lot of other people feel the same way. I feel like every week that passes, as I come out of that window, I'm realizing more and more, I'm learning things about myself, but also realizing like how much of like a crisis we've lived through and how much it's kind of like, on the one hand, fucked me up a little bit, but at the same time, also like drawn things out in an interesting way. Like there's, there's nothing to, there's nothing to make you introspective than sitting in a house by yourself, talking to a screen for eight hours a day. Um, so, so I think that just, just that, and like, I, I wouldn't even necessarily call it, um, I wouldn't necessarily call it a struggle. I mean, it, it is right. But at the same time, it's also a little bit more like revelatory. I feel like I'm in good ways and bad learning about myself. And I think that 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 in part is what makes me more sensitive to when I see like, I can't, I can't remember what the fuck the guy's name is, but some, some dude had to have a hot take on Twitter about how like Calvin Ridley needs to be a man. And if you know, you, you know, just sh- yeah. shut up and play football. And it's like, bro, go fuck yourself. Um, yeah. <laughs> like it's just that, that kind of shit pisses me off. So like, yeah, I think, I think that's a, I don't know. That's a conversation that I think is bigger than just you and I, I think it's a, I think it's something we're going to be dealing with for, for a long time as a country. For me, it's one of those things where like the thing I probably struggle with the most is realizing I have time, like being patient mm-hmm. with stuff. Right. Like I just got a fucking fat bill because I have lawyer fees. Right. So I'm like, God damn it. Like I hate debt. And I'm like, fuck, like I need to get this shit done. And then part of me, I'm just like, okay, when's, when's the fastest I can get it done? Not doing a fucking thing with my kids, <laughs> you know, like, Hey, we go home, we eat rice, we eat beans, we eat, you know, chicken. And that's about it. Yep, right? Yep. We drink fucking water and that's it, you know, stuff like that, you know, and I think about that and I'm like, cause I, I just can't stand that. I hate owing people things and no, especially money, like being like, yo, if it takes me two years instead of nine months or something like that. Cool. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, what does it matter? Or I want to get my own place and I'm renting a place, but I want to buy a place because I want different space for me and the girls. And then like, so if that happens when my daughter's 11 instead of eight, right. Like things like that. So, but, but I'm really good on it when it comes to like my long-term investing, like, you know, my retirement account and like whatever it's going to compound. And when I'm fucking 62 and a half, I'm going to, you know, be able to live off the interest yeah. and my kids get left with fucking whatever they want to do whatever they want in life and, you know, set their kids up and, you know, bump us up a class or, you, you know, just yeah. maybe not be able to struggle as much. For real. So, um, yeah, I'm probably going to live to like 110 because we just keep living longer and longer yeah. and longer. So <laughs> when it comes to my work, like, like I want to do media, mm-hmm. I want to do internet media for the rest of my life. Like if I could be Pat McAfee or even on like a one one thousandth of a scale pat mcafee right and be able to pay my bills and stuff like that and just have fun with my friends like that's what i want to do and that's what i'm going to school for is you know communications and digital filmmaking essentially right so basically like 
addicted to storytelling. So that's what the majority of what, what it is like doing those type of things. But I'm like, yeah, if I finish that three years or four years instead of a year and a half when I should, okay, cool. I'm fucking 38 or something like that. 39, you know, like I got a long time, you know, what does it, what does it matter whenever you hit that, hit that bang? So, well, and, and I will say as someone who has a communications degree, the cool thing about communications is you can, it, it's a great thing to have to, you, you can use it to like pay the bills until the fun side of communication can pay the bills. Yeah. Like for, for, for my work, what I do today is I work in corporate communications, which can be fun in mm -hmm. a corporate way, but it, it pays the bills. Like it, it definitely takes care of business and it lets me do fun shit. Yeah. So, you know, that, that I, I don't necessarily have yet the capacity or the bandwidth or the ability to do as a full-time thing, but at least I can, I, I don't know, I guess, sell out a little bit for a lot of fun. Yep. Yep. <laughs> All right. So then moving on to something we ask everybody when they first come on here is what is something that you're grateful for? Something that I'm grateful for. I am grateful for the people in my life. I have some of the most amazing friends and family and just in general, like relationships. And I try to always like never take them for granted. Like I try to just always put the relationships in my life front and center. Like I, I have like, I, I basically have like friends that are family and I, and I have family members that I'm also still very, very close to. And it's nice to have those deep, fulfilling, fun, interesting, and dynamic relationships, uh, especially because now that I'm 40, I'm not making a lot of new friendships. So yeah. it's, it's nice to focus on quality instead of quantity. So I, I'm very much grateful for like the people that are in my life and that the ones that stick around are the ones that are worth it. Yeah, that's definitely it for me. That's why I moved to Colorado. I didn't have anything in the DC area. I got out of the military and I was like, where do I want to go? Really don't want to go back home right now. Like it's kind of shitty because my family kind of struggles a little bit too, right? Like like my parents struggle and things are fucked up with their house and all this stuff. And like, I feel obligated, like my mom's brown. So there's always that guilt factor of like, I'm supposed to take care of my parents and all this kind of stuff. But at the same time, I was like trying to take care of myself. And I'm like, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to feel like pity for them and they're going to feel pity for me because of my situation. And it's just going to be like a big down fest. And I'm like, I yeah. can't deal with that. But all the guys that are here in Colorado sat on zoom with me for four or five hours a night, sometimes just watching me fucking ball my eyes out and kind of scream it out, you know, or whatever like that. And then they all have different takes and different avenues on, you know, Hey, have you thought about this? Or, you know, here's one guy's like super, like, you know, Tony just sits there and listens. He's not like emotionally available, but he's there to listen to you. <laughs> And then one other guy's like on the super emotional side and what's going on in my thoughts and stuff. And another dude's like, you need to get your shit together, figure out this, 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 here's your checklist. You need to figure this out, Nate, cause you're going to get fucked. Right. And like very straightforward, like, yo, you need to fucking take care of yourself, you know, but it was a good mix of people. They're all here. It's been good since I ever, when I moved here, but definitely That's the people, awesome. it's why I took the job. I took offered a fuck ton, a lot more money to live 60 hours, 60 minutes North, basically. I could walk to Coors Field from where I worked essentially and make probably about twice as much as I make right now. But it would just what it was an hour away from everybody that I was moving to be close to, you know, and just kind of, you know, start over. So, yeah, definitely the people, man. Like, you know, all the shit that we end up getting, I think, like, um, my, my past life was really materialistic, mm -hmm. um, I would say. So, I don't want to say past life, like, I was fucking, I died. But, you know, in the past, I've been materialistic, been around a lot of people right. like that. And it's like, you realize like, none of that shit matters, man. <laughs> you know, like, yep. you know, you got a cool car in six years, you're going to have to get another one because that one's going to fuck up or something's going to mess up. Right. So who gives a shit? Right. Like yep. 
the memories you have and everything like that you're going to take with you. So totally. All right. So you have any questions for me before we move on to um, league business stuff here? I think my biggest question, and you might answer it with the league business today, is I'm curious what, so I feel like, I think the vast majority of Taco Corp episodes, there's some level of controversy that ends up following it. So the candy mm-hmm. corn debacle, we had the emo debacle, which I had I had all kinds of opinions on, you yeah. know, the, the the fall takes, right? Like the, the controversial fall takes. So I, I'm just curious what, uh, what controversy you have in store for us next, Nate. Uh, uh, we'll see. Uh... <laughs> So one of the big things, right, is it is beginning of November where we're a fully male. We all identify as male within this league. As far as I know, I don't know about Clint, but but going forward, um, we are going to be, I don't know, Tony did the Squid Game thing on 58 West King. He's not even finished with Squid Game. Like him or Matt's not finished with Squid Game. So they don't even know how it ends. So they don't know where their segments should be going. And it's really <laughs> bugging me as a storyteller is and like trying to create something. I'm like, no. So we were at a bar with, I don't know if you know David Richter. Uh, no, I know like, okay. I know all the people, I know all the people that David knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was here and we were out of, uh, he was here last week. Me, him and Tony went to a bar to watch Thursday Night Football and we were talking about it and he, and that's when we found out that Tony hadn't watched it all. And we're like, yo, no, like, so I was like, you need to have Trey, like Trey has to make it to the end. He's like, well, why? And I was like, I can't tell you why you need to either binge this thing tonight or you just need to make sure Trey gets to the end because he is one of the guys in the last, uh, the final three, you know, or whatever like that. So uh, I don't know if he's finished or not, but but he's the last dude to die, right? Like that's Trey. That's good. That would be Trey, and it has to be Trey. And if they kill him off, it's you're done, like because it doesn't make sense. Um, and they screwed up the whole segment, but so I couldn't do that. And I was going to do like a March Madness style bracket or a Squid Game style thing with uh, no nut event. With no nut November, Jesus, I can't say this word. No nut November. I think that's where our controversy is going to come today on who can last the longest, and really, really in the reasons why. I don't know how people feel about certain other things, but when we get to our draft, we'll see what that looks like as well. So, all right, so let's move on to this week's waiver wire period. So I'll be covering it, and then we'll get some commentary after the fact. So first waiver wire claim, Boner Jams 03 acquired Jeremy McNichols for $320, dropped in Dimitri Felton. To do so, other bids included Too Hot to Handle for 303 in the Milford Academy for 250 This is going to be a common theme throughout this entire segment. Password is Taga acquired Jamal Agnew for 175 bucks. Other bids included Milford Academy for 25 bucks and Tony Patriot for 20. Murder Boners acquired Tajay Sharp for $100, dropping Brandon Ayuk to do so. Other bids include the Boner Jams 03 for 35 bucks, Tony Patriot for a dollar. Three Penis Wine acquired Pat Fryermuth for $85, dropping Robbie Tanya to do so. Other bids include Tony Patriot for 40 and the Milford Academy again for $1. Tony Patriot acquired Tyler Conklin for a dollar, dropping the Colts quarterback to do so. Only other bid came from the Milford Academy for a dollar as well. I shaved my balls for this, acquired MVS for a dollar. Uh, only other bid came, continuing with the common theme, was the Milford Academy for a buck, but the waiver wire priority took precedence there. And password is Taco, acquired the Dolphins quarterback for a dollar, dropping his emotional support animal, the Notre Dame tight and Tommy Tremble to do so. And no other bids were made for that. Uh, Boner Jams 03 did try to acquire Marlon Mack for a dollar. However, the player that was supposed to be dropped and involved in that transaction had already been dropped with their number one. Do you have any commentary or thoughts on anything that happened in the waiver wire? Other than, I mean, well, let's include the fact that you bid on nearly every single player here and you got screwed. Yeah. Up. 
So my my only comment is that all of my bids failed this week. Never let it be said that I'm not paying attention or always trying to find ways to improve my team. Yeah. Because I, I tried to make moves on who I thought all the big players would be this week. Because I feel like if, if basically it's either going to make my team better or I'm potentially taking something away from somebody, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think what it boils down to for me is I'm still trying to figure out the fab plays in this league because so far I either go way over or I'm way under. Yep. Um, that seems, that seems to be most of it where like in, in either direction, I always seem to misread the market. I'm way, way over bidding. Like I, I think it was last week I threw down 300 and no one else bid. Yeah. And then for like the first like five weeks of the season, every single time I got outbid. And I think that's why I went so hard. Finally, I'll get it. I'll figure it out at some point. <laughs> yeah. I will give you a hint if you get to the end. Right. So especially because your team's first place. And I probably shouldn't be telling you this because I plan on being up there and going on a run here in the last, you know, five weeks of whatever I can maybe salvage and get this, get the six playoff spot, but minimum waiver wire bid is a dollar. So if you spend it all, like right now I have zero. If you spend it all, you can't bid on waivers. You can't even bid zero. So you have to wait till they fully clear, basically be up at, you know, I think for the West Coast, it's one eight or midnight or something like that, midnight 30 to be able to look at the scraps and be able to pick them mm. up. So um, mm. I'm in that boat right now because uh, I felt I needed to get a win and try to get a win. Yeah. And it, yeah, it didn't pan out because for some reason you just keep on winning with whatever you put on the damn field. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we spoke about this a little bit earlier, moving into a week nine preview. We will be making all of our picks based on the manager who can last the longest in no nut november in matchup number one we had the eskimo brothers three and five headed to the murder boners two and six the murder boners are currently favored by 28 points 128 to 96 who you got in this matchup terrence so i feel like i need to preface all these just by pointing out and you and i chatted about this earlier today so i don't know most of the people in this group personally so it's tough for me to make honest informed judgments about this group's ability outside of the couple people that I I know in like a, that I know a little bit more than just casually. So I'm going to be basing all of my decisions today on team names and how I think they relate to No Nut November. That's how I've decided to roll. So, you know, does their team name represent them as a person? It does today. (laughs) So in the first matchup, I'm taking the Eskimo brothers. And I think it's because, I mean, murder boners, that kind of speaks for itself, right? (laughs) Um, I, I mean, you know, if this was a competition that was about what's the follow-up, destroyed Dick December, then yeah, that sounds like murder boners all day long. But for No Nut November, nah, murder that boner, bro. Eskimo Brothers is taking the win. Yeah, we definitely can't get that guy into the playoffs when it comes to December because it's just going to be a straight murder. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so knowing both of these guys, Josh is sitting out here and he rides in Jeeps. He's got like six Jeeps in his fucking front yard. He like has to park them in the rocks and stuff like that. Octavio's down south. He's got a new girlfriend. Uh, she posts him all over social. So half, you know, every weekend it's 37 pictures of Octavio and the murder boners. Changed his Facebook profile picture to both him and her. This dude changed his picture. He's definitely getting laid and he's probably getting a little thinner too. He's like working out a little bit, doing some more push-ups. No way that dude with that many pictures out there of him and this girl is not giving it up if she asks for it. So I'm going with the Eskimo brothers as well as a 28 point dog. They're going to get a victory this week. Matchup number two. I shave my balls for this four and four headed to too hot to handle four and four. I shave my balls for this is a 19 point favorite favorite to win 143 to 124. What do you got? So I went back and forth on this one just based on the names alone. Right. And here's my take on it. If it's too hot to handle, he's not handling it. Okay. Mm -hmm. I shaved my balls for this. Sounds like somebody's getting ready for something. Take yep. give, give me too hot. Give me too hot to handle on this one. Nice. 
I am going to go the other way because knowing Trey, Trey is the most competitive person in this league. If you said that we had to hang upside down in our closet for as long as possible, he will die before he loses on purpose. Like he will say, sorry, Beth. That's his wife's name. Sorry, Beth. Sorry, boys. I know that you're looking forward to me, you know, being here tomorrow, but I'm going to die because no one will beat me at this. That dude will go 365 days without busting one and be in hospitals and stuff like that if it comes down to this is how he wins a matchup. So give me, I shave my balls for this to take down a victory this week. Matchup number three, we got the Pocket Dogs four and four headed to Password is Taco five and three. These guys are roommates in Southern Georgia. <laughs> the Pocket Dogs is a 48 point favorite, favored to win 152 to 104. Who you got here? Yeah, this one was tough because neither one of these names really screamed anything to me. Mm -hmm. I, I ended up landing on, uh, I don't know, I think that, uh, I think the closest to some innuendo here has got to be Pocket Dogs, right? I mean, that's got to be saying something. So give me Password is Taco. Yep, definitely give me Password is Taco to win this one. He's just big brother in this entire matchup. James in the Pocket Dogs, like he was in the Marine Corps, which is in the Department of the Navy. And we all know everything that comes with the Department of the Navy, when you're on a boat for that long, or you're out doing whatever you're doing, like you got to do something to take the edge off. Yeah, give me Password is Taco to get a victory here being a nearly 50-point dog. Cops Lives Matter, 6-2, and two, headed to Tony Patriot, 3-5. and five. Cops Lives Matter is a 27-point favorite. Predicted to win 142 to 115. What do you got here, Terrence? All right, so my take on this one, because I went back and forth on it, right? But I think that Tony Patriot is going to do the upstanding thing, right? Truth, justice, the no-nut no November way. So give me Cops Lives Matter. Yep, I am going to go the other way, and here's why. In our fall preview episode, you know, five top things we love about fall, Tony did say that he loves sweatpants. Um, That's one of his favorite things about the fall time. And when it comes down to, uh, you know, he's working a swing, and he comes off work, and he comes home in his uniform, and Charlotte's been there having a couple Corona seltzers and stuff like that, and we're like, hey, go put on the gray sweats. It's cold inside the house. And then it's just like he's not going to be able to turn her down because she's doing all the mm. stuff for the kids and stuff while he's over here flying satellites all night being cool. He's going to have to give it up. And I believe Cops Lives Matter's old lady is in school somewhere like across the country. So I think he'll be able to withstand it. He'll be able to figure it out. He's like an assassin. So matchup number five, we have the Vinegar Strokes three and five headed to three penis wine, five and three. Three penis wine is favored by 26 points, 148 to 123. What you got? Uh, I got to go three penis wine on this one. I think that, uh, well, I think Vinegar Strokes is, is again, self-explanatory. Um, <laughs> I think the name kind of, the name kind of takes it. So, uh, you know, I know three penises, that's a lot of penises for a No Nut November, but I think that the, uh, I think the Vinegar Strokes will be, uh, will, 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 will be, will be struggling a little bit there. They'll, they'll be involved. So give me three penis wine. Yeah, we were done at midnight Halloween. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so give me three penis wine. I want I want this guy to win. I want him to win big. He's headed out to Cincinnati tomorrow morning to go to the Bengals game. He actually just got a private seat license at Paul Brown. He's a big Bengals fan. Um, so he's got season tickets there. And um, I want him to win this week. So maybe he'll pay for my flight and we can go out December 6th so I can watch the Chargers beat the shit out of the Bengals. There you so go. he's got two tickets and it's going to get cold. So, hey. Hey man, like I, I, <laughs> I like that. And Nate, for whatever for whatever it's worth, you can't be out of it if you were never in it. I'm exactly, just saying. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I waited <laughs> until the clock struck zero. I mean, it was like New Year's Eve, you know. Like, you don't kiss me until it gets to gets to zero. So you're Cinderella <laughs> running run, running out of the ball before it turned into a pumpkin. <laughs> 
And moving into our premier matchup of the week is the two newest managers within Taco Port Fantasy Football League. They live miles away. I mean, miles away, like not like here, but uh, Milford Academy 7-1 at the Boner Jams 03, 2-6. Boner Jams 03 is favored to win by eight points, 133-125. You're in this matchup, Terrence. Are you making it? I am. And I am. So I'm taking myself in this one because, I mean, Boner Jams? I mean, come on. If you're rocking Boner Jams, how long are you really making it in November? Let's be real. Yeah. And, like, I was looking at some of those, uh, you know, the wedding photos that you guys had and stuff like that over there, you know, the last weekend or two, whenever you guys were mm -hmm. out there. That's a good looking dude, man. Like, that dude <laughs> can't come in from working a hard day's work. You know, with his beard all shaped up and his yeah, nice hair yeah. combed over and everything like mm -hmm. that. And then just yep. jump, bumping the genuine as he walks in the door, right? Because that is a boner jam if there's ever a boner jam. So. Oh, a recipe. Uh, that, yeah. uh, literally, it's just the, the mo. it's brewing. It's, yeah. it's just brewing. He's yeah. way too of an, he's way too much of a nice guy to tell his old lady no. Like, hey, I got to win a matchup in fantasy football this week. And it depends on the, <laughs> the fact I ejaculate. So, yeah, I'm taking the Milford Academy. And that that analysis, I didn't even think about it right now, is that, I, you know, two episodes ago, I said I was never going to select against the Milford Academy again. And we just kind of got there on its own. Yeah, I like that one. Anyways, we'll move into lock of the week. So my lock of the week is going to be three penis wine over the vinegar strokes. I'm really hoping he beats the crap out of me. I hope all of his bangles go off. I hope that Joe Burrow doesn't end up having a tank game where he only throws for 122 yards and no touchdowns, three picks, and you know all the receivers op receiving options, and Joe Mixon doesn't roll his ankle or nothing like that. I really hope none of that happens, and that he wins so that I can secure this lock of the week and potentially go to a Chargers game. Yeah, Paul Brown in December. You got a lock of the week, Terrence. Uh, I'm with you, man. Three penis wine to the moon. There we go. Yep, he is our Doge. Anyways, lock of the week was presented by bangasitter.com, promo code TACO for 31% off your first month's service. Once again, bangasitter.com, promo code TACO or 31% off your first month's service. Yes, you're only paying 69%. And I'm hoping, I'm going to check with the subscriptions to make sure that none of the players within Taco Corp are there as we are trying to survive. No, not November. Before we get into our draft, because we have to draft in every episode that we have two people on, we got to do a fuck, Mary kill because we have to do fuck, Mary kill whenever someone comes on for the first time. So my fuck, Mary kill for you, Terrence, is baseball, movies, music oh my god um oh let's see i am ugh, i am oh my god that's like you're asking me to pick between all of my favorite children <laughs> uh, okay well then so I'll, I'll do the easiest one first merry movies like i'm a movie dude like that mm -hmm. I, I have to say merry movies i'm lost after that um i guess that i am if I'm marrying movies, then I guess I'm fucking music and then killing baseball. <laughs> I can't believe that's where I'm landing, but I feel like I have no other option. Like movies are movies are my thing. Like that's mm. just that's my that's my everything. Like I just like it, it's it's rare for me to have a night go by where I don't watch a movie. Yeah. Music is kind of like, you know, it's there when I need it. I dabble. So that's the fuck. And then I guess baseball is just kind of what's left. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe we can hang out for a little while before I kill it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going, I got to marry baseball. That's my first love is baseball. I love baseball before I loved my mother. And um, I still love baseball more than I love my mother. So, uh, she doesn't listen. So <laughs> this is completely good. And <laughs> 
and then the next one's hard for me because i i love music like that's my thing i probably have like three thousand like songs on spotify that i you know spiral through on a daily basis i mean not, i don't go through them all but it's just on random uh, every single genre but there's something about stories and storytelling and especially i can't give up my rom-coms man like i can't give up ryan reynolds movies or anything like that uh yeah i can't do any of that so or my drew barrymore movies which we'll get into here soon yeah and then i i have to kill music i guess i don't know if it counts that there's music within movies too so i kind of get that feeling that vibe of being able to attach to it but outside of the movie i can't listen to it yeah i'm gonna marry baseball i'm going to fuck movies and kill music yeah this was a tough one this is leaving me with feelings <laughs> do you have a fuck marry kill for us I do, and I'm going to use it to exact my revenge on the emo episode. Okay. Um, so I've got, so I've got fuck Mary kill emo bands. Okay. So your choices are the Get Up Kids, Taking Back Sunday, Dashboard Confessional. Oh, I'm killing the Get Up Kids. <clears throat> That's where I'm starting out because okay. I didn't really get into them super heavy just kind of lightly like a song comes up on a list or something like that i never really cared for taking back sunday like we me matt so like this is crazy right like uh me matt and tony had a group thread group text going on where we were talking about emo music or something like that one day like just bands and sharing youtube videos and matt kept sharing taking back sunday i was like god they're so awful like stop like and it's, a lot of this because my sister loves Taking Back Sunday. Like she's hardcore into that. But my sister's all into like all American rejects and all that shit too. Which I, I think like it's just one of those. Like, I'll listen to them and I'll swing, swing, swing. You know when I'm by myself. But I'm not going yeah. to like go to a concert with like, hey bro, you want to go to an all American rejects concert with me? Like I feel, <laughs> I feel bad. But I started listening to them. They came on like one of the playlists I went into Spotify and I was like, yeah, this stuff is good. And I went to their, this is Taking Back Sunday list. And uh, and it's like half of my emo music I listen to now, kind of. So um, I'm going to marry them and I'm going to fuck Dashboard. Mostly because Dashboard, the dude's just cute. He's got great hair. He doesn't look like somebody who should be like that. So it's probably like good for a one-time thing, but it's so deep. And like, he, I feel like he hides it really good, like the lead singer. So I'm like, I don't want to deal with that for the whole my whole life. So that's where I stand. He's got those tattoos too. He's got the he's got the look for sure. Yeah. Let's see. Okay, so I am going to so so I, I love by the way how like opposite we are on both of these fuck Mary kills. Um because I'm marrying the get up kids. Okay. And that's mainly just because man, that that record something to write home about and uh, the one after on a wire. Those are I think two of the best emo records they've ever been made. Yeah. Absolutely love those records. I am fucking taking back Sunday because They've had some great records. They're a ton of fun live. Like I've gone to see them, I think a couple times now with Matt. I've seen them at, I saw them actually twice at Riot Fest, once at a mm -hmm. club show. Um, so they're always good for fun. Like they're always good for a good time. So so that's where I landed on fuck. And then I guess by default, I'm I'm killing poor Dashboard Confessional. So <laughs> sorry, Chris Caraba. Yeah, he doesn't have enough things to deal with. <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll, I'm sure I'm sure he'll write a song about it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're going to get into a draft here before we get out of here. And this week's draft, seeing as both of us are big baseball people, baseball is my my sport. Like, it, I would give up every other sport, never be able to watch it again, just to be able to listen to baseball on the radio for the rest of my life, right? If that were the choices. So we are going to go into a top five baseball movies draft. Both of us are into movies. I find baseball, and if you follow me on Facebook or you're friends with me on Facebook, that I find baseball to be very romantic. And um, I'm into rom-coms and I'm into the real type of movies. You're into movies. 
Um, there's great music in all of these movies as well. So we're going top five baseball draft. And I forgot to write down a number, but we are going to select who picks first. So we're going to select who picks first based off of this number that I just wrote on a piece of paper towel. And you have to pick a number one through 10. And if you are within three, you get to pick where you pick. Uh, I will go with five. And the number is two. So congratulations, you're within yes. three. You get to pick where you draft at in the draft, at the one hole or the two hole. I'm glad, by the way, that you're doing math because I'm not equipped for math at 840 at night. <laughs> um, I was like, is that three? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> um, I will, so I will pick second, snake draft, right? Yep, snake draft. Yep, yep, I'll pick second. Oh, that makes it hard because I feel like, um, no, nah, I love the snake draft. I love being last in snake. So it's hard because I don't know if this is one of your movies or not. Like we have never talked about baseball movies. I, I will say this. If you mentioning Drew Barrymore was was a hint <laughs> to your number one, it's not on my list at all. I'm picking it anyways because I have to be true to myself. My number one baseball movie of all time is Fever Pitch. It recently became my favorite movie of all time. So my favorite movie of all time for, I mean, years since it came out has been The Notebook. I It's just my jam. And it had everything that I liked about it. And it got taken over this last summer with Fever Pitch. And that is my number one. That is awesome. And by the way, the fact that it didn't make my list is not shade on that movie. Literally, when you said Drew Barrymore, I was like, oh, fuck, Fever Pitch. Like, it just didn't. It, <laughs> when, I was, when I was thinking through baseball movies, it just did not occur to me. Yeah. <laughs> Well, for me, and this was partly why I wanted the uh, why I wanted the snake is because the the top two on my list are, I think, classics of all film, not even just baseball film. Mm -hmm. I'm going with Field of Dreams first. That's one of the first baseball movies I saw. Uh, it's a movie that will still make me and any grown man with a pulse like fuck you if you don't cry at that movie. Dude, I was um, just gonna say like I cry is, so hard every time I watch that movie, and it's so terrible, especially when his wife says, "You know what." Yeah, go to Michigan, right? Or I saw you at Fenway and she believes in his crazy fucking ideas. Yes, and I'm like, yes. oh, she supports him? <laughs> it is such a beautiful story about, yeah, about like love of family and love of baseball. And like Kevin Costner is good for that shit. Um, that movie is the only reason on earth that I want to visit Iowa. Yep. Sorry, sorry, Iowa, but like, like literally the only reason I want to go is to see the Field of Dreams. So yeah, Field of Dreams all day for number two. Uh, and then with my second pick, um, I'm going with a classic of my childhood and uh, and the, the movie that any self-respecting Dodger fan would pick, and that's The Sandlot. Yep. Uh, because it is just like one of the best kids movies, baseball movies. Um, I got a chance to show that to my nephew for the first time like a couple of years ago. So it's cool to be able to like pass that forward. I love that the Dodgers are in it. I love that the actors that played the kids in that movie still will come make appearances at Dodger Stadium sometimes. Yeah. So yeah, give me Field of Dreams in the Sandlot all day. So I pitched to Tony at his house probably about a month or so ago. I was like, hey, what are we doing for Halloween? And like, yo, let's all dress up together, right? So I was like, yo, let's do the Sandlot. Like, it'd be awesome. Like we can get, his kids are Dodger fans, my kid, Dodger fans, like we could do the whole Sandlot with just our two families, right? We just couldn't agree on who was Benny. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so we didn't do it. And I went as a hot dog and I put a Dodger hat on. And so I was a Dodger dog. It's been my, Dodger costume. Dog. There you go. Been my costume since 2015. So hey. all right. I got two picks coming up. Uh, my next one is going to be, oh, this one's so fucking funny, but it's the Bad News Bears 
but the Billy Bob Thornton edition of Bad News. Oh, so I like the okay. newer. Like I do like the old one, but the newer one with Billy Bob Thornton, I think it's just funny as hell. Like he he's so vulgar. There's like you know yeah. the stripper aspect, which is so Billy Bob Thornton. It ties into like Bad Santa and all these yeah. other things that he was doing, right? Yep. So I really dig that one. So Bad News Bears for me, and then my third pick will end up being. It's it's the rookie, Dennis Quaid. It's a Disney film. That's one of those ones that touches me, and I end up not like physically touches me um, because it, we are in November, and I'm not trying to get to that point. But it definitely brings the tears down my eyes every single time, um, especially when he finally steps on the mound and like his whole team's there and all that kind of stuff. So, so it touches you in a special place, in your yes, heart. Definitely special place. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave that up to the listeners to figure out where that is. <laughs> Oh my God. Okay. So my, all right. My third pick, my third pick, um, I'm really, I, I'm, I'm loving by the way that we haven't had a lot of overlap so far. Yep. My third pick is I think uh, again, kind of one, one of the best baseball movies of all time. I'm going to go with a league of their own. I love, I mean, I, Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. It's a story that we don't get a chance to see a lot. Right. It's like, I, I love the cool kind of like wartime era story. I love like the the historical aspect of it, um, that cast is like out of control. Penny Marshall directed it. That's, mm-hmm. you know, she's amazing. Um, so yeah, give me a league of their own for number three. This is where it gets a lot harder. Yep. Number four, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue with my Dodger fandom and I'm gonna say 42. There you go. Uh, you know, shout out Chadwick Boseman, RIP. Yep. Amazing performance. You know, awesome to see kind of like that story committed to film. It's one that I'll still rewatch from time to time. I got to be in the right mood because it's, you know, very uplifting, but also like emotional and challenging story. Um, but yeah, give me 42 and, uh, and and Jackie Robinson. There you go. So I have two picks left and I'm sitting here with one, two, three, four, five movies on my list. So I didn't have either of the, either of the last two that you had on my list. And there's some chalk one, but I don't feel like it's like, ah, I'm not picking it, but damn it. It's almost tougher that we haven't had any overlapping picks because I also have a long list of movies. Yeah. That haven't been covered yet. <laughs> uh, okay, so my number four is going to be for the love of the game. Um, mm. Just sticking with the, you know, Dennis Quaid in baseball movies. That's basically all it is, right? So, um, yeah, give me. Is it Dennis? No, that's Kevin Costner. That's Kevin Costner. That's Kevin, Kevin Costner. Costner. Both of those De- guys. Dennis are- Quaid is. Yeah, Dennis Quaid's the rookie. Yep. He's in another one too. I forget what it is, but Kevin Costner, for the love of the game, I dig the whole clear the mechanism thing. That's like one of my favorite parts about that whole movie is like when he gets on the mound and he says that and it's just like everything is quiet. And I felt like that when I played like high school sports, right? Like even when I play sports now, I don't care if we're down 21. It doesn't bother me because we just got to go down and score now and then we'll get a stop. And then we're going to go down and score again. We're going to do our job, right? It doesn't matter. Uh, I not I don't get into the I don't care for momentum. I think that momentum is mental, and that bugs me when I hear like, "Oh, this team's got the momentum," right? And it's like, well, why? You're professional in whatever sport you're doing. Why does it bug you when your job is to go score points and stop them? Like, why is it a mental thing for someone who you know is the best of the best? Like, how does that still affect you? So that's my favorite part about the entire movie, um, and there's a cool love story in it too. So there's that. And then, so I'm going to name off the last ones I have and I'll pick one. So I have Bull Durham, which I'm not going to pick. I think it's just one of the, it's chalk. Um, I have Trouble with the Curve that 
touches with me and I have mm-hmm. Pride of the Yankees. That's the Lou Gehrig story and Rookie of the Year. Rookie of the Year. It's got the cast from Home Alone in it, um, which is yeah. nice. And then, uh, <laughs> but I think I'm going to go with Trouble with the Curve. Uh, the whole story about her and her dad and stuff like that. And the fact that he can tell basically what goes on in, on a baseball field by hearing the sounds. You know, it's kind of going nuts. My dad's kind of going nuts. Like, I don't think he's like actually nuts, but he's losing it. My dad's at that. I'm 72 years old or 71 years old. And I'm going to say what I want to say. And I don't care who it offends type of thing. Right. Which was basically mm-hmm. like um, him in that movie as well. So my fifth is going to be Trouble with the Curve. And there's Justin Timberlake in it. And I'm a big sync guy. And it's almost Christmas go. season, and they have the best Christmas album of all time. Don't at me, Tony, um, <laughs> or anybody else if you believe that. So, um, yeah. I will say, I the first Christmas music I heard this year was Mariah Carey. Yeah, because it's <laughs> it's the Starbucks inside of a fucking Target. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, it just like slaps you in the face, and there's 74... 74- Karen's standing in line waiting to do that so they can go look at the clothes that they're not going to buy. I guess like as I think about that controversy and how it relates to earlier controversies because so Tony was team Mariah, right? Yep. Wasn't Tony also team PSL? Yes. Pumpkin Spice Lattes? Okay, so so Tony's basic. Yeah, Tony is basic. Okay. He's completely okay. basic. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's. I think that clear. That just clarified a lot for me. I think that helps me understand wh- where everybody's going to land on issues. That's helpful. Yep. <laughs> so, so I'll do the same thing. Then I'll just share my list. I love that we didn't have a lot of overlap, by the way, because that just tells you like how many like totally fucking awesome baseball stories there are out there yep. um, that we didn't have a lot of overlap. So I did have Bull Durham still on my list. I'm also not gonna pick Bull Durham. I had Major League on my list. I had Moneyball on my list. I also had Rookie of the Year on my list. Uh, I did have Bad News Bears on my list. Uh, and I had Angels in the Outfield on my list. Ooh. I am gonna go with, you know, all the other ones I picked are very like family friendly. So I'm gonna go with Major League. That movie's funny as fuck. Um, it's a little, probably uh, inappropriate in some ways. Like I'm sure it hasn't aged well, but it's it's still a, a hilariously funny movie. And it's also a very good baseball movie. Like in terms of the baseball story um, that it's telling, it's very much that like bad news bears type of story um, that I think baseball, and even, I mean, you could talk about movies like The Replacements, right? Like mm-hmm. sports movies do that story really well. Um, so yeah, give me major league to close out my, uh, to close out my top five. Nice. Nice. So to summarize what all happened here, starting with my team, I have Fever Pitch for the love of the game, Trouble with the Curve, Bad News Bears, Billy Bob Thornton Edition, and The Rookie, while Terrence has A League of Their Own, 42, The Sandlot, Field of Dreams, and Major League. So you will be seeing polls go out on Twitter or on the Facebook. So make sure you use the heart emoji because if you don't listen to the episodes, which was weird because you're listening right now, the heart emoji is always me. I like using the heart emoji. So you don't even have to listen to figure out who who's is who's anymore. So there we go. You have any parting words before we get into banger of the week this week, Terrence? I don't. This was a ton of fun. Um, uh, I'm super excited to, to be in the league and to, uh, to keep rocking things in uh, in Taco Corp. Nah, that's it. Um, having a good time, and um, yeah, I guess uh, I guess as 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 the person in first place, I guess I guess I should say, come catch me. <laughs> that's, that's, what I, that's what I probably should say is 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 come after it. But honestly, I'm I'm having a really good time. It's fun being in a be, being in a, a league with with people who take it serious and are are having a good time with it. So uh, season's winding down. Second half. Let's go. Yeah, man. It. Oh. It bugs me that you're in first place. That when Clint came into the league, he won it. James came into the league, he won it. Brandon won it the first year. There, oh, we have a lot of first time 
first year winners or whatever like that in the league. So it sucks. But before we get out of here, go ahead and check out Tony and Matt's podcast, the 58 West King podcast. It's linked down here in all the show notes, as well as check out Champions Dynasty League podcast, where we took four competitive leagues, top three teams in each of those leagues and created a dynasty in year two. And that's not going well for me right now. Um, But a lot of injuries. Uh, Banger of the week. Banger of the week takes us back to 2004 again. May this be the song you come back to this weekend when you're on tilt for your fantasy team or your parlays that you have should never should have placed in the first place. Never parlay. May it also be the one that gives us all the strength through the month of November as we harm our own bodies by attempting not to ejaculate for the next 30 days or technically 26 from the time that we're recording this. For Terrence Dunn, I am Nate. This song is Breathe by Anna Nolik. Love you. Bye. 2 a.m. and she calls me cause I'm still awake Can you help me unravel my latest mistake? I don't love him, winter just wasn't my season Yeah, we walk through the door so accusing Their eyes like they have any right at all to criticize Hypocrites, you're all here for the very same Cause you can't jump the track We're like cars on a cable And life's like an hourglass glued to the table No one can find the rewind button, girl So cradle your head in your hands
crowd Cause these words are my diary Screaming out loud And I know that you'll use them However you want to But you can't jump the track We're like cars on a cable And life's like an hourglass Glued to the table 